I'm Sharon Betters, and welcome to this Help and Hope resource produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Have you ever felt as though you are too much, as in too big, too loud, too emotional, too talkative, maybe too annoying? Imagine being a teenager and feeling that way about yourself 24-7. Maybe you don't have to imagine. In fact, it seems that many young people today secretly identify themselves with similar feelings. In this conversation between Rose, not her real name, and myself, Rose shares how this too much view of herself led her on a desperate quest to lose weight in order to fit into her world. In fact, that quest took her to the very edge of almost losing her life. I think that young people and their parents will especially appreciate the transparency of this 20-year-old young woman as she talks about how she did almost lose her life because of an eating disorder. Rose hopes that especially young women will resonate with her story and gain instruction and hope for their own identity struggles. Rose, thank you so much for your willingness to share your story as a means to offer help and hope to others. Why don't you start by sharing some of your journey, your way? I've struggled with an eating disorder officially for about six years, but I can trace low self-esteem and poor body image back to childhood. I can remember a time when I wasn't overweight and looked different from my thin and pretty friends. I could never wear the same style of clothes as them because I needed to shop in different stores and sections to find clothes that fit. I couldn't borrow PJs for an impromptu sleepover or a bathing suit for a spontaneous swim. I was hyper aware of the space I took up in a car, and I was always too heavy for a piggyback ride. The small inconveniences turned into huge insecurities, and I became consumed with how my weight made me different. So what about your parents or your doctor? Did they agree with your conclusion that you needed to lose weight? (sighs) My doctor also constantly reminded me of my weight. I was continually told that my weight was off the charts, (laughs) that I could face health issues later in life, that I needed to lose X amount of pounds by my next visit. We created meal plans and made exercise routines and talked and talked and talked about the importance of losing some of those pounds. Every school physical and sick visit was about my weight. I started dreading my doctor's appointments because I knew I would leave feeling terrible about myself. It's probably not surprising that middle school was a rough time for me. I was teased about everything, the clothes I wore, um, how much I ate at lunch, how I talked, even how I cried. It solidified my belief that something was wrong with me, that the way I was was not right and just too much. I told my parents about being bullied And while they were supportive, it didn't necessarily help the situation. My guidance counselor also wanted to intervene, but I didn't let her because it would have made the situation worse. It's not like the kids would have taken kindly to being punished or disciplined for teasing me, and I was pretty sure that it wouldn't make them like me more. The belief that I was too much carried on into other aspects of my life. I was told I was too loud, too emotional, too talkative, and annoying. And since my weight was always the core thing that I thought was wrong with me, I started to link all my other flaws to that number on the scale. If I could just weigh less and be smaller, then maybe all my other flaws would shrink too. So how did you respond to this constant exhortation that you were overweight? 
I tried everything to lose weight. I was active. I played sports and I tried every diet out there. But I could never lose any weight. I remember spending many nights pleading with God to let me be skinny. To just take the weight away. I couldn't do it on my own, so why wouldn't he let me be thin? Wasn't being thin and healthy a good thing? Didn't he want me to be happy? My determination and love of being in control, mixed with the freedom of college, <laughs> was the perfect formula for my eating disorder to develop. I had access to a gym, more free time, and my meals were either whatever I could fit into a box under my bunk or the lukewarm food my cafeteria served, both a far cry from the home-cooked meals I was used to. I can remember the day I decided to diet again, but my eating disorder didn't just start overnight. The rules of my diet became increasingly strict. Going to the gym twice a week turned to four times, and then every day. One sweet a day turned to none. 1,500 calories turned to 1,000, then 600. And it worked. I started losing weight, but I hated the process. I was miserable. I was hungry and cold and weak, and I just wanted to sleep all day. I was irritable, and eventually the new fragile friendships I made fell away. So... I was also friendless and lonely. But <laughs> the weight was finally, finally coming off, and I wasn't going to stop until it was gone. Did you think at that time that you might have a problem? That whole first year of college, I never thought I had an eating disorder. Was my diet pretty intense? Sure. But I could stop at any time. I didn't want to not eat, and the goal wasn't to be skin and bones. I mean, th that's what an eating disorder is all about, right? And once I got to my goal weight, which lowered a couple of times as I reached each number, I would stop and start eating more and work out less. And when I got home from school that first year, I felt done. My body wasn't perfect, but it was thin enough for me, so I started incorporating more food into my diet. Or tried to. Turns out it wasn't so easy to switch off the obsession that had taken over my mind. I had been following very strict rules, X amount of calories every day, no exceptions. And every time I tried to eat more or eat a food that I hadn't previously allowed myself to eat, I felt, I felt intense guilt. Imagine you just lied to a friend or stole from a store or did something else wrong. You'd feel guilty. Maybe so much so that it would constantly rub at you until you confessed or made it right. I felt that three to six times a day. Every time I ate, it was exhausting. It was much easier to just follow the rules in my head than to have to mentally fight with myself about why I shouldn't feel guilty for eating a cookie. So you came home from college different than when you went to college. Did your parents notice? Were they happy about the changes or were they worried? So the weight continued to fall off and my parents grew worried I was losing too much. My doctor sent me to a therapist who initially diagnosed me with adjustment disorder, which is basically depression that can be linked to a certain event. They thought that moving away for college and then having issues with friends while there was causing me to feel depressed and unwilling or unable to eat. However, as my condition declined, my diagnosis was changed to anorexia nervosa, and I began seeing a therapist and dietitian weekly. When it became apparent that weekly visits were not enough, I was admitted into an inpatient treatment facility. That had to be such a frightening time, not only for you, but your parents as well. Did the inpatient treatment work? The next 
five years, followed a similar pattern. I checked into an inpatient care. I gained some weight and became well enough to step down into a lower level of care, such as attending treatment during the day, but going home at night. I got a bit better and was discharged. I went back to college and attended weekly therapist and dietitian visits. I started losing weight rapidly again. I was forced to leave school and go back to inpatient care. And the cycle continued. It wasn't that I didn't want to get better, I just couldn't beat the disordered thoughts in my head. Like I said before, fighting yourself mentally three to six times a day gets exhausting, and I soon slipped back into bad habits. I didn't necessarily want to get any thinner. I, I was aware that the bones jutting out everywhere wasn't an attractive look, but I was addicted to watching that number on the scale go down. I spent my whole life wanting it to go down, and there was something so rewarding about finally watching it decrease. Also, insurance usually just covered enough treatment time for me to gain the weight I needed, but not enough time for me to learn how to maintain that weight. I knew how to gain weight and lose weight, but never how to maintain. I can only imagine the roller coaster emotions that you experienced. What finally helped you get on track? I ended up going to a residential treatment center where I stayed for about a year, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was incredibly hard work, but I was finally able to take the time to heal. I learned coping skills to help me deal with the stresses of everyday life without falling back on the eating disorder, and I was surrounded by support as I faced my fears head-on. Something I've learned from the whole experience is that therapy is a beautiful thing. I think a lot of parents are hesitant to send their children to therapy either because they don't want to admit that there might be something going on with their child, or they think it means they've failed as a parent that they weren't enough to help their child on their own. I know my parents felt similarly when I started needing extra help, but that's just not the case. My parents know me really well, but they're not so knowledgeable when it comes to eating disorders. And I know a lot of people are hesitant to see a therapist because they think they've got it all under control or don't want some stranger telling them how to live their life. And I get it. I had similar thoughts. But it's been so helpful for me to be able to talk to a third party, someone who is an outside observer and isn't immediately involved in the situation. And having the opportunity once or twice or multiple times a week to share everything that I usually keep shut tight inside me has made a huge difference in how I feel about myself and how I interact with others. Rose, you know, you were a woman who was raised with a strong foundation. Was this therapy faith-based? In the world of eating disorder treatment and therapy, There isn't a lot that's God-centered. And as I sat through therapy sessions, I was always filled with questions about where God fit into recovery. I mean, shouldn't he be enough to heal me from this parasite that was eating away at my body and mind? When I am weak, he is strong. But it's not like he will physically pick up the fork and put it in my mouth. So where does the spiritual healing meet with this mental and physical illness? I would have loved to have a Christian therapist, but unfortunately there doesn't seem to be many that specialize in eating disorders. So I decided to also see a biblical counselor who helped answer my questions and also helped me work out how to seek God for strength in my practical day-to-day battles. How did this type of counseling encourage you in your faith? Did you practice any kinds of spiritual habits or disciplines that helped you to have hope? 
We worked through a few devotional books that specifically addressed food as an idol. And we discussed how I could begin to lessen the power I allowed food and weight to have in my life. I started spending more time reading the Bible, and I began intentionally praying for help and peace before meals. Nothing changed overnight. And it wasn't like I could all of a sudden eat a plate of desserts without a single guilty thought. But as I slowly filled my mind with positive, God-honoring thoughts, there became less and less room for the negative thoughts. I started looking more at the big picture, the purpose of my life, the power of my Savior, and the little details like how many calories I ate that day or how many crunches I did. Slowly lost some power and importance. I tried to focus on the things that actually made me me, my love for the Lord, my passion for helping others, my desire to make a difference in the world, and not the earthly and temporary things like my weight or appearance. I mean, if God tells me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, who am I to tell him he's wrong? I started praying that God would give me contentment with my body, with my weight, with my appearance in general, and that he would show me what he sees when he looks at me rather than what I think the world sees when it looks at me. Keeping my focus pointed toward Christ helped me hold on to the hope that one day I would leave all of the disordered thoughts behind And it's this hope that kept me going on the days the eating disorder felt the most permanent. Rose, what do you think is the root of your eating disorder? For me, the eating disorder wasn't an obsession formed from the impossible standards of the models and magazines. Nor was it necessarily a desire for perfection. Uh, No, I just wanted to lose weight to be normal. I didn't want to be the skinniest person in the room I... I just didn't want to be the fattest person. It might be more understandable if I said that my eating disorder developed because of a huge trauma in my life or was the, or was the product of parental neglect. But in reality, I had a great childhood, a close relationship with amazing parents, and a fairly easy life. I've been incredibly blessed and therefore have felt incredibly guilty about the choices I've made and for all that I've put my family through. There have been times when I felt like if I could just pin the exact event that pushed me over the edge, maybe I could more easily climb back over the mountain of my mistakes. However, for me, it wasn't a single event, but rather a combination of a hundred life experiences and the makeup of my brain and personality that pushed me toward an eating disorder. I didn't choose for it to happen, and it's definitely not the way I thought I'd spend my college years, but it did happen, and now I just choose to learn from it. You mentioned earlier that as a young girl, you dreaded every doctor's appointment. How much did that dread impact your view of yourself? I do know one of the biggest things that pushed me toward weight obsession was my doctor and parents constantly pressing weight loss. Don't get me wrong. I realized that my parents wouldn't have been good parents if they weren't concerned for my health. And my doctor wouldn't have been a very good doctor if she didn't point out the problems with my weight. However, I wish I was reminded frequently that I was beautiful. That I didn't have to be thin to be normal. I wish I was told that my weight didn't define me and that my weight wasn't the end-all, be-all of my success as a person. But to be fair... 
I didn't really express how I was feeling, so I'm not sure anyone knew exactly how badly I was hurting. I was so embarrassed and ashamed about my weight that I did everything in my power to keep it from conversation. I didn't want anyone to notice my weight or think negatively about my appearance. I continued internalizing my feelings and letting shame keep me silent as my eating disorder progressed. I became great at numbing the pain (laughs) that I started not feeling anything at all. Somewhere along the way, I started believing that talking about all the stuff I was going through was self-centered, and I thought asking for help was selfish. It's actually something I still have trouble doing, and I have to frequently challenge myself to be more open with others. (laughs) I still worry that I talk too much about myself and ask for too much from my friends and family, but... I'm slowly learning that asking for help is okay, and I'm working on believing that I'm not too much. Rose, you have so much to offer uh, from your life journey. Speak to parents and teachers about the challenge of helping a child find a healthy lifestyle without wounding their spirits. I I know that's a big question. (laughs) I'm not a parent, so I can't imagine how difficult it must be to raise a child amidst the pressures of the world today. And I hesitate to make a list of do's and don'ts for anyone to follow, especially since I think something said to one person could be hurtful while another person might find it helpful. It really depends on the personality of the person. But I think one of the biggest things a parent can do if their child is struggling with a weight issue is to keep calorie talk away from the food. Don't start talking about calories or incorporating diets into your child's life. Eat healthy food, sure, but above all else, focus on moderation. Allow sweets without attaching guilt and try to avoid attaching too much praise to weight loss. And if your child doesn't struggle with weight, make sure they know that teasing others for their appearance is completely unacceptable. Raise your child to be the one that befriends the kid being teased, that stands up for the outcast, even if it means standing alone. I get so tired of hearing the phrase, kids will be kids, or... That's just the way middle school is, when people try to justify the actions or words of bullies. Kids learn from example, so I think it's important for everyone to evaluate how they treat others, even people they don't know. How many times do you make a comment about the appearance of someone on TV, or laugh over that woman at the beach who just shouldn't be wearing a bikini? The more we criticize others on their appearances, the more the kids that are watching us will criticize their peers. Not to mention that focusing on the flaws of others might even increase the amount we focus on our own perceived appearance flaws. So what about after treatment? How do you stay on course? In treatment, I was encouraged to make a relapse prevention plan, which basically outlines the warning signs of my disorder creeping back up and ways to stop the progression before it gets worse. Some of my warning signs include a lack of flexibility, When I'm constantly rigid about the restaurant we eat at or what's for dinner, my family knows to ask me if I'm doing okay. Progressively smaller portions. One dinner where I skim on portions isn't a big deal, but if my friends and family see it happening often, they know to be concerned. Frequently seeking privacy for meals. Eating disorders thrive on secrecy, and so I know that when I want to be alone for my meals, it's usually because I don't want people seeing how small they are or what I'm eating. A constant sour mood. Being hangry, aka hungry and angry, is a real thing. And (laughs) my friends and family know that if I'm constantly upset and irritable, I might be restricting. 
While these are things I know I personally struggle with, they may also serve as warning signs that someone you love might be heading down the wrong path. I stress the word might because I don't think anyone should jump to the conclusion that an eating disorder is the reason for some strange behavior. But it might be an indicator that a conversation needs to be had about how that person is feeling and how they're dealing with those feelings. We've talked a lot about your roller coaster treatment and how you finally found a pathway that helped you to get on track. What do you think is the secret to recovery? Well, uh, I'm not sure there is one. There's no one thing that I've found that makes recovery easy. It's hard work. It's doing something scary and guilt-provoking, like eating more calories, over and over and over again until it gets easier. It's telling yourself over and over and over again that you're okay, that what you're doing is okay, that eating is okay, until it starts to feel okay. It's exhausting. And at times it's impossible to do on your own. And like I said before, God doesn't physically reach down and put food in my mouth, (laughs) which is why I've had to learn to rely on the people God has put in my life. There have been many, many times where I've needed to let others plate my food or tell me what to eat because I was incapable of making the right choice on my own. It's been an incredibly humbling experience as I've faced the fact that at times I cannot take care of myself and need to rely on others to do something as simple as eat dessert. Is there a certain type of person who is more vulnerable to eating disorders? An eating disorder doesn't discriminate, and the diversity of the people I met in treatment surprised me. White, black, heavy, thin, female, male, Jewish, Hindu, they were all just as lost as I was. I felt so ashamed that I had the strength of God on my side, and yet I still couldn't overcome the disorder any more than anyone else there could. But there was one thing that set me apart from many of my friends. Hope. When you're in the throes of an eating disorder, it's hard to see a way out. It feels impossible that you'll ever be free from the thoughts that plague your every choice. But still, I had hope. And it went beyond the physical battle I was facing. I knew one day that I would leave all this behind, that I had eternity with Christ to look forward to. I knew that my God was strong enough to squash the disorder, even if I didn't always feel his strength. And I was given many opportunities to share my hope and faith with fellow patients. An opportunity I never would have had if (laughs) I never had an eating disorder. You have been so transparent about your journey, and I know that there is someone listening right now who really resonates with all of the struggling that you've been through, and even maybe hopelessness. Why don't you, for this moment, speak to that person who feels hopeless and is struggling Someone who's sitting in front of you right now, speak hope to that person. I'm not sure who you are or what you're going through. Maybe you're sitting there thinking that my story sounds a lot like yours, or maybe something I said resonated with you in some way. Or maybe you just realized that someone you love might be struggling with an eating disorder or poor body image and self-worth. Whoever you are and whatever situation you're in, I want you to know that there is hope and it's real and powerful and completely attainable. If you're being bullied for your weight or or appearance, remember that your worth does not come from the approval of your peers or the acceptance of your friends and family or the number on the scale. Your purpose here on earth is not to be the skinniest or the most beautiful or the most popular person in school. None of that matters in the big picture of eternity. 
I'm not saying it's easy to turn a deaf ear to the opinions of the world, but I am saying that those opinions just don't matter. All that matters is God's opinion of you, and God loves you. He made you exactly the way you are on purpose. No mistakes were made, and beyond the way you look, it's the way you act. The way that you love, that is truly what makes you beautiful. It's what you do with your life, not the way you look while living it that matters. It's not a simple mindset to adopt. And I still struggle with comparing myself to others and wanting to change the way I look. But I strive to live my life in this body without making my life all about this body. Because when it comes down to it, I know I have more to offer this world than a tiny waist or a thigh gap. Sometimes I wonder if my eating disorder could have been avoided. If I wasn't teased or if my doctor had laid off the lectures, would I still have found myself fighting for my life? I don't know, but I don't regret it. I wouldn't wish what I went through on anyone, but I am also thankful for how it molded me into who I am today. Stronger, more self-aware, and more understanding of others' mental and emotional battles. I still struggle with the intense shame over the decisions I've made in the past and the subsequent pain that it put my friends and family through. But I regularly remind myself of 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10. In fact, it's posted right on my refrigerator door. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So when someone teases me about my appearance or weight, I am strong in Christ. When I am completely broken from guilt and shame brought on by the disorder, I am strong in Christ. When I try on a pair of jeans that fit too snug and my self-acceptance goes out the window, I am strong in Christ. When my insecurities have me sobbing on the bedroom floor, still I am strong in Christ. I may not always feel strong, but as long as I'm looking to the Lord for my acceptance and worth, I can withstand anything the world throws at me. And anyway, it's not about how strong I look or feel, but instead, it's about how my weaknesses can point others to the strength of the Lord. As John 3.30 says, He must become greater, I must become less. I make mistakes on a daily basis, and I know that as long as I'm battling this disorder on my own, I will always come up short. But it's my weakness that God promises to use for his glory. And if my weakness can show others the hope of the gospel, then it's my weakness that I'll boast about. Rose, thank you so much for your transparent journey, for sharing your story to offer help and hope to others. Is there one last thing you would like to share with our listeners? For some... Eating disorders may seem like a lifelong battle, and they may think that it will never get easier. But I know from experience that it does get easier. I can't say that I'm now completely cured and never struggle with disorder thoughts or poor self-esteem, but I have hope for the future, and I'm thankful that I'm now able to live life outside of a treatment center. And most of all, I'm thankful that I have a savior that covers all of my mistakes and loves me regardless of my size. I'll leave you with one of my favorite verses, a verse that I often incorporate into my own prayers and on my weakest and most trying days has reminded me of the hope that Jesus promises. Romans 15, 13. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm Sharon Betters, and you have been listening to a conversation with a young woman who almost lost her life because of an eating disorder. It's our hope that Rose's story has offered help and hope to you in your own journey, or maybe has equipped you to walk with someone who is struggling to find that pathway to recovery. At Mark Inc. Ministries, we produce resources that offer help and hope to the hurting. We address life crises that are often experienced in isolation and loneliness that are hard to talk about and even harder for people to know how to come alongside of the hurting person to help them find firm footing in their own life pathway. Our resources not only offer help and hope to the hurting person, but they also help equip that person who loves them to come alongside of them. We deal with life crises that are often experienced in darkness, sexual abuse, divorce, terminal illness, the loss of a loved one. We also have a series for military families called Coming Home From War. Visit markinc.org where you'll find all of these free resources. You can subscribe on our website to receive notices of new resources or like us on Facebook where you can leave comments about our resources and stay updated on Mark Inc. happenings. It's our hope that this story has not only given help and hope to you if you're suffering, but also is equipping those who love you.